Hello everybody and Happy New Year from Falcon Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. Today we'll talk about the Bristol game and our, what could be called unfortunate, could be called justified, could be called a lot of things, defeat. Um, we'll look forward to Gloucester. We're going to have a quick chat about where some of the players might be that we thought we'd see playing at the weekend but weren't. And then finally round up with the goings on elsewhere in the Premiership. As always, you can find us on our social media. Yep, so on Facebook, um, it's simply at Falcon Falcons, and you'll see the picture of us two. And for Twitter, again, keeping simple, exactly the same, search at Falcon Falcons. And if you'd like to send us an email, it's falconfalcons at mail.com. So the Bristol game, looked like we had the potential to win it, but obviously we didn't. Well, I mean, we've mentioned it before about how we went to the Bristol game a couple of years ago, and... That game stands out for me in particular because, and it was actually the same time, wasn't it? It was around New Year's, um, in that I was horrified about how poor we were. And I think at that moment, I thought we would get relegated. Now, obviously, two years later, the performance was worlds away. Um, however, unfortunately, the result was the same, wasn't it, in terms of Bristol getting five points, us getting zero. And I'm sure everyone felt exactly the same. It was so frustrating because my genuine belief was that over the 18 minutes we were the better team we had more territory more possession in the forwards even when Sinclair did come on to steady the ship for a bit I thought we were better and especially in the first half we were vastly superior in that department but we left three or four tries out there begging and when you go away to teams like Bristol who are going to be in the top four they may well be in the final you've got to take your chances against teams like that and there's no point having all the territory all the possession when you allow Bristol to score every time they come into our 22 and that's exactly what happened they only had about five off well yeah I'd say five opportunities out of 22 and scored every single time and we left as I say three or four tries out there absolutely left them begging and we just can't do that and it was so frustrating because it was there to be won um, and to get absolutely nothing out of that is a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, if we just go through the kind of tries we left out there, there were two that were held up and two where scrum-wise um, we didn't quite get what we wanted to out of it. Um, the first one we were held up off the back of a rolling mall. It's just schoolboy stuff at the back of a mall that when you forward trundle over, whoever's at the back of it falls down on, onto the ground and we kind of got ourselves a bit isolated. They managed to get under the ball and hold it up. And what I did notice was the re- the referee blew very quickly to stop it and award a scrum. It wasn't like sometimes where you kind of get the chance to reset or wriggle around a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely. But I thought that we showed qualities that we have done all season in terms of organisation. There's obviously good team spirit there. We show great determination. But going back to what you just said there, you've got to have your head screwed on. And it's exactly things like that one of the base scrum of Van der Vault where You've got to have, you've got to be aware, you've got to do the basics, you've got to be sensible, you've got to have that bit of intelligence about you. And that's the difference, isn't it? Because that's a sign of a team that's not quite there yet. Because if you were, then you'd win every week and you'd be top of the league. And that's why Bristol, that, that's, that's the difference, isn't it? So Bristol can play, well, not necessarily poorly, but in, inferior to the team they're playing, but still can wave a bonus point win because they have the quality players to do that. When we can play our play our socks off, dominate part of the game, and come away with nothing. Yes, that one with Van der Velt was really, really annoying because what's the number eight's primary job in the scrum is to control the ball at the back of it and then push if they need to. 
I've played number eight in the past. When it's at the back, if the scrum's going forward, yes, it can be tricky. But at a professional level, you certainly need to be able to just keep your foot on it. You, you sometimes see players kind of jumping with the ball between their heels, especially when it's going that quickly. Part of the issue with that scrum was that the scrum almost went forward too quickly and it kind of spurted out and he kind of hoofed it forwards out the side and they popped it down. But it was interesting early in the match because there were times when um, our back row were um, not necessarily in the scrums the way that they had the numbers on the back. There were times when Collett was number eight, and I think I also saw Wilson at number eight. And I'm pretty confident that had Van der Velt been at the flank and Wilson been at number eight, then we would have scored there. Um, and it's just frustrating because it, that that was seven point. Oh, the floods kicking wasn't great. It was definitely at least five points come begging, possibly seven. But the point of time in the match it was as well, we'd have been right back in it. Well, I mean, that one in particular was probably the closest you get in rugby to an open goal, really, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, that was that was a difference. It, you know, it's so obvious. It's just just being clinical because, as you say, we had so many opportunities there like that, and that. Something else which also was very annoying was, particularly when they were down to 14 men, when we did have our phase of attack, we did eventually score. I mean, I mean, I suppose a positive is not many teams are going to score three tries away at Ashton Gate. But when we did score, we took so long over it. We wasted so many chances. Though I think there were probably at least two or three opportunities where we could have scored two tries, say, in a 10-minute period of of attack phase instead of say the one we got and that 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 was the difference if if we got even half of those that could have well been enough i'm getting really annoyed at the minute about time wasting in rugby especially when there's a bin going on i think for the 10 minutes when they had a player in the bin the ball must have been in play for six minutes maximum out of it there was a scrum where it got reset two or three times and was it our fault no it was bristol they were stepping back and what and earlier on in the game, the referee had given a free kick at a scrum. And then later on in that half, he stopped giving free... That was the only free kick in the whole game for an early engagement. You had their hooker a bit later in the game suddenly standing up as we engaged. Um, that's, in my view, penalty offence. And it was just so inconsistently refereed. And I think that when a scrum is awarded, the clock should stop until the ball comes out the back of the scrum. Dead simple. It's te- technology allows for it these days. And it would just stop all this time wasting dead. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that straight away. Um, as you especially say during the, the Simbin period, where scrum, as you scrum was reset two or three times at least, and it was obvious Bristol were at fault. I mean, we were, we were so dominant there, and the clock didn't stop. And it, it was how is that the advantage is supposed to be with us, and that just gives them the advantage to just wipe out the ten minutes, which the, they obviously should not have. Um, that and a couple of other decisions were, I think, a little bit suspect as well. But I, me- I do remember that one thinking, well, what, why isn't the clock stopped? I mean, the, the two front rows are up, you're chatting away at them, and it, nothing was in play. I think it's one of these strange peculiarities of the laws that technically that counts as part of playing time if the referee is kind of resetting a scrum. It, it, it just it really annoys me because Bristol are obviously doing it for a reason and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work it out. So why doesn't the referee start pinging them and trying to speed up? They also had a couple of also had a couple of lineouts where they took an absolute age to do things. I mean, even if, if Bristol didn't, I mean, do it of their own accord because we were so dominant, they may have just been infringing because they have no choice. And if that's the case, where's the free kick or penalty for us? By by not pinging them for that, you just giving the advantage back to them and negating the advantage we should quite rightly have with the 10 minutes in bin. So yeah, incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and then if we carry on our rant about scrum decisions, um, in the second half, um, we have a scrum five metres out, 
ball gets to the back of it this time Van der Velt manages to control it and then the referee says use it and we all thought that's a bit strange and then he says use it again and we start trundling the scrum forward and we're about to push it over the line and dot it down happy days as we said we should have done in the first half then he blows a scrum for them and I've I've never in my all my time playing I've refereed I've watched for decades I've never seen a decision anything like that at a scrum yeah I mean I was about to say I mean obviously we've scrummed down for many years uh, we've watched obviously rugby for many many years and as you say never ever encountered that when I heard that I just assumed he was just kind of going along with it the fact that because it was going forward it was you know it hadn't stopped quite obviously what was going on was part of our attacking play and yes, he was saying kept using, kept using it. But I, I thought in the sense that we were kind of moving forward with it, that was us using it, surely. And then he blows up for the fact that Stuart didn't take it out, you know, and pass it out. And it's bizarre. Never, ever seen that. And absolutely absurd. Now, I mean, even the commentators picked up on that one. And the, it was absolutely balmy for, for the, especially as we should have had the advantage as the attacking team anyway. Yeah, it's stupefied at that one. Um, the only thing I can think of why he did that is because we'd been annihilating them in the scrums and he didn't want to have to blow for a penalty and simbin someone or give a penalty try. Um, there's no other justification for that. And he basically penalised us because our scrum was dominant and he didn't want them to start marching backwards like we did in the first half. Yeah, I mean, if anything, in that particular play, it was them who were, were at fault, not us. Well, I mean, it's, it's not against the laws for a scrum to go backwards it's if a scrum's going backwards you could go backwards at walking speed and it's not against the laws it's against the laws when someone collapses or someone stands up or it gets deliberately wheeled or something and there was nothing dangerous going on there's a perfectly set up scrum and then the referee decides to stick a whistle in his mouth and give a scrum to that them and also when a scrum normally there's an issue in it if we've won the ball which we had there it stays our ball it's normally a turnover if it go if it's a full wheel or Oh, the laws have changed on that recently, but um, if it's one against the head or something, and then it goes down. You sometimes see the referee award the scrum to the other side, but it, it was a, just a, a very bizarre decision. I haven't read the rule book. I'm sure I'm sure the referee hasn't made up a law, but it certainly seemed harsh to say the very I least. Mean, I mean, it could just be the wording that should have been better because he he could have said something on a scrum half. You have to use it now, at least. Whether you know we could still sit here and say, well, why has he said that? But at least it would be clearer when you're on the pitch and to those watching. Oh well, he wants a scrum half to use it right away, rather than just use it, use it, use it, because they were using it. Yeah. Then the fourth one to go begging was Orlando's. Um, a great bit of build-up play, and then you think for all the world he's going to score, and he didn't. <laughs> uh, it was a good bit of defending, but you think, come on, an international player who's just come back from beating New Zealand, he might be able to score from, from that position. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes you look at those held up ones and you think, how, you know, how, how the hell can you not put the ball down for about, you know, a, a centimetre up in the air or something? But I, I guess you've got to give credit to the defence as well. I mean, when you think of being, being held up, you've got to look at it on the other side. I mean, it was superb defending. And to be fair, Bristol did defend really, really well. I think the most frustrating ones are the ones that we mentioned the ones at the base of the scrum which we, we messed up um i think those held at once while i say they are incredibly frustrating and you, you wonder you know as we say how the hell did they not put that down they were very well defended so i think you've got to look at it from that side as well and that sort of negates it but even with those couple that held up we had so many other chances and then about 10 minutes from the end there was also um the kind of little half break we got off the front of a line out where madison got it back down then I think he threw a dummy and then carried on going and then their scrum half Randall uh, managed to get his hand in the way of the pass. I think if that pass had managed to get away, we would have been in the corner. So that was another one where just a 
a split second here or a six inch difference in pass height or whatever we'd have scored. Then the difference is that when Bristol had their chances, they took them. It only took them 30 seconds to get the intercept try. And that was it was the start of a few errors by Arscott. Um, for those who didn't see it, um, we managed to win the ball from a kickoff, which is remarkable given the way we've been of late. We then spin it out in the centres. There's a bit of a fumble when Arscott's catching it. He's got his back to the defenders and he tries to pass the ball on and lo and behold, he passes it straight to Bristol back, who clean away under the posts. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely remarkable when you receive a kickoff to then concede a try in about 40 seconds. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Bristol's quality. If you're going to beat these teams, you can't do that. Um, I mean, I, as I say, I think Bristol kind of made up for that on our behalf by the ridiculous no-arms tackle, which gifted us a try in the second half. But, you know, it gave them under the, a kick under the post, which, you know, obviously when we're chasing the bonus point, made a difference. But I think that kind of... T- touched on the weakest part of our game which was some of the backs and open play um you you could see straight away there i mean not that's not to say they were terrible the whole game far from it but um in that particular instance you could see what the problem was going to be at times later on in the game when we did have some of that territory in possession um they were just passing which passes which weren't on there it was quite rushed it wasn't clicking uh bristol's defense was up very quickly and that that caused problems then the pass just wasn't there to be made and it was just again i think we've mentioned about how a bit of intelligence and having your head screwed on and that was another instance of it yeah and we talked about bristol being clinical nathan hughes's try the one that was allowed um very it was very simple but very well worked line out move gate was left well and truly open and he just walked through it yeah I mean I don't think you can complain apart from obviously the first one you can't complain about any of their tries they're all exceptional tries I mean there's nothing you know you've got to give credit where it's due there I don't think we were in terms of the phase that brought about the try I don't think we were at fault particularly I know for their, one of their tries R. Scott did the ridiculous knock on which again then gave them the platform to then score the what's probably the crucial try but i think you know we've got to we had to respond to that and be clinical ourselves and obviously we weren't yeah uh, we've also got to mention the phenomenal try that was ruled out for the forward pass early in the move it was one of those ones where it would be played on every single high right reel of all time if it was ever if it was awarded but obviously these days the video ref it was ruled out it was definitely forward there i mean straight oh, away so, you could tell it yeah. was forward there's no doubt about it being a forward pass, but it's just a shame because it was such a good try after that. Well, I don't know. I, I was sort of saying to the commentator, because they were getting dead excited, and I was like, oh, come on. It's quite obviously forward. I don't know what they're getting so excited about. And then, and then of course, it got brought back, and they're like, oh, what a terrible shame. And I was like, oh, you know, get away. It was so obviously a forward pass. It might have been tactical for Nathan Hughes to get tackled about five yards out, set up a couple of phases, and then they would have been able to score because I, I'm not quite sure how far the video ref can wind the footage back and disallow a try, but they then made 90, 90 metres up the pitch and they would have been able to um, score in a different way and I think probably have it allowed. Yeah, possibly. I know also it wouldn't have seemed quite as exciting, so maybe the, there wouldn't be so much attention on that pass. But yeah, but anyway, it's all academic because it was totally a forward pass. Looking at our players, we mentioned, um, I don't think R. Scott... I know um, about a fortnight ago I said, I think Arscott played well and I'd probably play him at fullback if we needed him there. Um, I think there were three of their tries where he personally made errors. Obviously the first one where he threw the intercept, there was the one where he dropped the high ball 
And then there was another one where he was left completely floundering in defence when I think he probably should have made a tackle. I thought, Wakoki Koki, oh, Wakoki Koki Koki, um, apart from his try, which he took very well, I think he was quiet throughout the match. He didn't really seem to offer much. Yeah, I agree with that. His try was very well taken, but actually in the build-up to that try, I was thinking that he just wasn't really at it. I know it's obviously a bit of a step up for him because he was prolific in the championship and he was prolific for Northumbria Uni, but it's obviously a step up. And I guess you've got to start somewhere, why not from the deep end. Um, I felt in some ways maybe he did grow into the match, uh, but there were a few times, and he, is, he does do this sometimes, and really sort of suspect passes and overthrows and, and all sorts. And uh, yeah, he's, he's not quite there yet. Um, and I think actually one of the one of the things that has been picked on was that we didn't have Burrell. I think Burrell really kind of adds that factor in the in attack where we can break the gain line. I think if we had Burrell there instead, that probably would have made, that, well, it could have or probably have made a difference there. I mean, I think, as I said, I think he, he kind of came into the game more, but yeah, I, I think he's far from perfect, wasn't he? Yeah, there was certainly the pass where he threw it about two yards over somebody's head into touch when he, he'd been lined up and he panicked. Um, but what I think was encouraging from his performances defensively, he didn't look out of his depth. He was against Reduardo, one of the best centres in the world, and he didn't look out of his depth. Um, he got he got lined up a couple of times attacking, but defensively, I think he was quite okay. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I think I, I, I was going to say that, but yeah, defensively, he, he was sound. Um, and I think in many ways, the whole, the whole team was generally. Um, I know we obviously conceded the four tries, but apart from the first one, I think generally they were all very well taken by Bristol. And sometimes, you know, you just got to hold your hands up. But Generally, defensive. I thought the whole team defended well, but I thought in the centres, considering that, well, in the backs in general, considering who they're up against, I think there can be no complaints there. But that, that kind of showed what our weakness is in terms of when we attack and that we're not so clinical and that sometimes we can struggle to kind of get over that gain line. Um, you still see it too often when we're going side to side or backwards. Now, I know that's also due to Brady Bristol defence in this particular instance, but that is a weakness which hasn't quite been addressed we even saw it last season a bit actually and obviously I think that's going to be shown up more this season but yeah I mean that could just be the change of personnel we have players who are making their first starts of the season players who probably aren't quite as good as the ones who they replaced as well uh, yeah I think um, Orlando's debut performance um, I don't think there's too much we can pick fault with he played very physically as we knew he would um, it'd be nice for him to get a try on debut but alas um, yeah I thought he was one who grew into the game obviously before he got taken off um i thought he was quite quiet to begin with actually um but yeah i thought when he, he made some really good tackles um and i thought he as the game went on he was making more and more carries but again i mean it's someone making the first start a new club new country and all that and i thought and well especially in a really difficult game like that i thought he was fine i think we can take a lot of positives from that yeah, forwards-wise, I think um, every member of the pack can hold their head high. It was, a, it was a bit frustrating that we lost our first line-out of the season, but it had to happen at some point. Um, and one thing that was really annoying me, actually, on BT Sport was they kept referring to Kyle Cooper as playing out of position, when, obviously, we know that he's now converted to prop from hooker. Um, and, yeah, he was up against it, playing against Sinclair, he's an international, probably a lion's prop. But what can you, what can you actually say to criticise in that position? Um, I mean, I wasn't sure if they were criticising 
him in terms of, oh, he wasn't scrummaging well or, or playing well. Um, I mean, it may just be the ignorance on their part. They don't know that he has now officially changed position. They did highlight that. I think they highlighted he was changing position or, or something like that. But actually, I mean, you mentioned that he was up against it against Sinclair, but I, I thought more often than not, he more than matched him, actually. Well, um, I mean, that's a point I made earlier in terms of that, yes, Sinclair steadied the ship for them and he did make a change, but generally I still thought our forwards were more on top and we were solid enough in the scrim. Um, yeah, I had to keep banging on about the referee, but there's two more things I'd like to raise. One is Sinclair was boring in every single scrum and getting away with it. Um, he got a couple of penalties awarded to him at scrums, which I don't think he was actually right. I think they just thought, oh, Kyle Sinclair versus Kyle Cooper. Well, we know who's going to be at fault here. And I think Sinclair was scrummaging illegal in pretty much every single scrum he scrummed down in. Um, then the other thing that really annoyed me was their final try. Um, with our um, tries, the referee was extremely quick to blow his whistle when we were held up. Um, their final try, the kind of melee of people, and the referee blows his whistle, and then he looks over it for an age and watches everybody get up in order and then says, oh, I saw the ball on the ground. That, of course he saw the ball on the ground. He'd all let go of it and stood up. Whereas I think that I'd be, if I was Dean Richards, I'd be telling the players, as soon as the referee blows his whistle, everybody pile on the ball and don't let the ref see a thing. Because to, as far as I'm concerned, once the referee's blown his whistle, that's it. The, the player's dead. And if he then sees the ball on the ground, it's kind of academic. If the referee sees the ball on the ground before he blows it, it's fine. In that case, award the try. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe the ruling is if he sees the grounding, he awards a try. If he doesn't, then he's got to make a decision one way or another. But he was saying, oh, well, I can see the ball's on the ground. He wasn't making the point, oh, I saw it being grounded. Now, on that basis, in use by all means, use the TV official, and you can't see a grounding. On that basis, do you not say it's held up? Because he, his on-field decision, I know he says it was a try, but the reason he gave was, oh, I, I saw it ground, I saw it on the ground, rather than say, oh, I, I saw it grounded, my on-field decision is a try, but I want to check. Um, but that wasn't the case. It was just, oh, well, I can see it on the ground. Well, as you say, of course it's going to be on the ground. So I think there's a very strong case there for that to have been held up because there was there was no absolutely no clear grounding and the referee didn't even give as a, as a reason on his mic the inclination that he saw it was a grounding so I, I think there's grounds to be a bit of a complaint there as well actually I've seen I can't remember what the referee's called but I've seen him a few times and I feel I know he looks like a child but I feel that his decisions justify me th- thinking he is extremely inexperienced yeah well I think he's one of the newer ones on the the circuit isn't he um I mean yes you've got to start somewhere haven't you but you know, it's always frustrating when they kind of make their mistakes against you. Um, and it's such a, well, I, I mean, we're always going to say it's a big match for us, you know, second v third or whatever it was. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's frustrating. I think it's just many ways one of those days where we had all these various frustrations and things just working against us, unfortunately. Yeah, and also what's really annoying is every Falcons fan knows that we lost five points in that game. And had we had those five points, we'd be undisputedly top of the league. We'll be on 21 points with extra on 20. Yeah, well, it's just frustration on top of frustration, isn't it? I mean, we could have eat, almost tossed them. We could have easily won that game if they got the five points. I mean, we could be sitting now on top of the league. I mean, how many times over the years, over decades potentially, are we going to be able to say that going into uh, second week of January or whatever, that we're going to be top of the league? I mean, real chance blown, but that's what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, if we... If we move on and look forward to next week against Gloucester, how do we see that one panning out? Um, well, obviously Gloucester are rock bottom at the moment. Uh, it's 
very cliched, I know, but it's all about momentum, isn't it? It's just obviously the, the the loss kind of stopped our winning form, um, but we can take a lot of heart from a lot of aspects of that performance, and we've got to make it right against Gloucester. I mean, as I say, the rock bottom of the league, we're the, we're, as it stands, we're, we're the better team and we're at home, and I would expect us to, to beat Gloucester. I mean... Gloucester have turned up a couple of times and have been, you know, had close defeats like they did against Sale this weekend. But I would expect, especially with our dominant forward pack, to to, to beat Gloucester and to get back to winning ways. Um, I think if we do beat, beat Gloucester, we can start to, again, perhaps look at the top end of the table because, you know, you, you will start to get teams cut off more drift. I mean, Gloucester, for a start, will be several points behind us. But so it's an important important one because we always talk at the start of the season that we need to beat the teams at home who are going to be around the bottom now we probably thought we would probably need to be around the other bottom thankfully we're not but our objective is still to stay up and whoever is bottom it's time to be Gloucester you know we've got to be winning those games against those teams and I think we will but it does bring up a certain importance yeah um, Gloucester may be bottom but the fewest points they've scored this season, I think, is 40 or 15 or something like that when they lost against Leicester in November. And they're scoring tries. Every single game this season, they've scored at least two or three tries. And they may be bottom because they've not had the good finishing or they've just petered out in the last 20 minutes or so. But we've got to be careful because they'll definitely give us a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, I said last week that Gloss would probably get out of there. And I, I... I think they probably will, actually. I, I think Gloucester have also been, quote-unquote, unlucky. The fact they've had none of these COVID points awarded to them. For example, you've got London Irish and Worcester both have four points awarded to them for, for you know, COVID. So and Gloucester haven't had that. So, they, so they've so they actually played their games. Obviously, they've lost, so that's why they're bottom. But uh, I don't think we'll be seeing... I don't think Gloucester will get relegated. But at the same time, they're, they're there for pretty much a, a good reason. Um so you know we've we've got to do a job. Yeah, um, player exchange between the two clubs over the years. There's not much to say hello again about. I guess the obvious one in recent memory is um, Harris. Um, seems to be playing week in week out. Although I think he was on the wing at the weekend, not necessarily centre to where you'd expect to see him. And then I don't know when I've seen Harris over the last couple of years playing for Gloucester. I've not particularly thought we've lost out too much. And then when I've seen him playing for Scotland, similarly. He's not really... I, don't, I still don't understand quite how he plays at the highest level internationally. He, he seems an OK player, but he doesn't seem like an international standard back to me. No, I mean, I think the highlight of his career was for us a couple of years ago, obviously, when we finished fourth. Um, I think that's when it was... That, that's when we saw him at his best. Uh, I mean, even if we had him back, would you have him starting? I mean, probably not. No, not with the centres um, we've got now. No, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and as I say, I've seen him play for Gloucester. Of course, he's play for Scotland. And, you know, he's also mistake-ridden, actually, as well. You do see him, you know, do the odd mistake, crucial mistake, playing for both Scotland and Gloucester. And he has these moments, I suppose he maybe did it a couple times for us as well, where he just sort of switches off or whatever. Uh, but I think that is a case of a player who... You know the other the other side of the fence isn't greener. Um, of course, as we say that, he probably score a couple tries against us. But but generally, yeah, I think you're right in the he hasn't set the world alight at Gloucester, and I don't think he's been actually a huge loss. Yeah, I think that um, when he's defending as well, he quite often finds himself flat-footed on his heels, and you'll quite often see him um, get skinned, leaning backwards a bit with his arms out, trying to reach someone. Um, it's not like he even falls off a tackle; he just doesn't make it and. I think it was Devoto for Exeter a couple of weeks ago scored against him and just kind of waltzed past him because 
Harris was completely in the wrong body position. Um, and then making his way our way, um, we've got Mupola. Well, he was at Gloucester for a couple of moments for the in the back end of the Premiership season last season. Uh, Gloucester, I think, had like a, a crisis in the front row and we loaned him up to them. So so hopefully he can give us the inside track on some of the line-out calls or something, unless, of course, they've changed them. Um, but in recent memory, I think you're right, it's only... Mulapola and he's obviously now back with us and Harris, I think. Yeah. Um, if we look at our squad, Sastasia's gone. There were lots of players that were conspicuous in, conspicuous in their absence. Um, the ones that stood out for me were McGuigan, um, Burrell, Penny. I don't know how many of these were injuries or how many of these were perhaps COVID issues or avoiding coronavirus in case obviously we were playing against Bristol who'd had it and we maybe wanted to shelter some of the players from it I don't know whether we're trying to split the squad a bit so if we do get it we can say oh well we've lost these four or five players and they've got to isolate because of contact tracing but these other four or five haven't been in contact with them therefore they can seamlessly come in I don't know quite know yeah I mean the only indication was from Dean Rich's comments at the end of the game where he said we lost some players now well you know obviously what does lost mean um is it injury or as you say is it covid or, or something else uh but i think yeah that was the shock when they announced the team um there were so many changes and it probably well it, it did have a negative effect and richard even says out the comments saying well we had a new lot of players starting for the first time whatever um i, I don't think it can be rotation because well, well, why would you unless you know unless they, they pick gloucester as a as a very important method win game and they sort of wrote Bristol off but I just don't think they would do that I mean I suppose we can't rule it out but I don't think that's the case I mean I saw on Burrell's Instagram if some of you have that as well um, that he was training with a group of other players at Kingston Park on Friday morning so I don't know to the extent of if some of these players are injured if so they can't do contact or or whatever so it's all very cryptic and uh, I guess we can only speculate but yeah it was it was odd wasn't it and then, um, obviously, one that was a bit of another change was Flood playing at fly half. I think that could have been because of the physical nature of Bristol and your Nathan Hughes and your centres and whatnot targeting that 10 channel. And I maybe think Dean Richards might have felt we were a bit vulnerable there because um, Colin, I think, came on at the end for Flood. But I think at that point, Richards had kind of just decided, well, may as well try it going forward because we've kind of lost the match by this point if nothing happens. I mean, I've always thought, especially when they signed Orlando, that going forward, you you would have Flood potentially at, at 10 more often than centre, because I mean, there's a lot of competition there as a, a centre, and I think you wouldn't necessarily have Flood there going forward. Um, but the thing is, if you have Flood at fly half, you've got to have a kicker on, because Flood, you know, he's still having problems with his kicking, quite obviously. So then do you, where do you put Hodgson? And where do you put Colin? Do you put Hodgson at fullback to replace Arscott, for example? Um, do you drop Flood and have Hodgson then fly half instead? So, I mean, there's a few interesting choices need to be made there. On that, um, when I saw Flood and Arscott both in the starting lineup, I thought Arscott might be kicking because I've seen him kick in the past. He's got a very good boot from distance. And then when Flood missed his first one, which wasn't particularly difficult, I thought, well, We'll probably see Arscott taking the next one, and then he didn't, then he didn't, then he didn't, then it just flood kicked for the entirety of the match. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arscott's got a good boot on him. I mean, he can certainly have his hand, he can give it a good hard welly, but I personally, I didn't 
remember ever seeing him kicking from the tee. I mean, I could be wrong there. Or if he has, he doesn't do it very often. Um, maybe he just can't or doesn't have the confidence to do it or they just don't trust him to do it. I don't know, but it, it could have been an option, you know, like a sort of a, a daily option or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, but it, that was a weakness though. And it's, it's a weakness that we've highlighted. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be for the foreseeable future in that we don't have a particularly consistent kicker, which... I think did cost us. Well, it did cost us against Bristol, and unfortunately, it might cost us later in the season. But I just hope that obviously we do have keep the players who are fit, like Hodgson and Conan, and so we do have some sort of option to rotate or or whatever going forward. Yeah, Oscar, I've definitely I've seen him kicking off the ground before. I think he's one of these players where if you get a penalty, maybe just inside your own half, and you want to take a punt at the end of the half just to try and get an extra three points before going in at the interval, he can give it a good kick. Um, I'm not sure his accuracy is up there to be because he's a, a competent goal kicker, but I think that he can kick, and it just seemed strange that maybe Flood persisted after missing a couple of easy ones. Assuming there's no such thing as coronavirus and everybody's fit, what would your inside-back combination be of preference? Um, I think I would have, starting from scrum half, I think, I think you'd have Young at the moment. I think I would have Flood still at fly half. I would have, even though they're very similar... I would have Burrell and Orlando. I think that's a pretty frightening combination for any defence. And I think a full-back, actually, as I may have mentioned it, is I'd probably have Hodgson, if I can. Um, swapping either Hodgson or Conan at full-back. Um, I just think our Scott isn't cutting it there. But I would still like some of the teams. I think he does add both in terms of his general play and obviously just his, his intelligence. And he's obviously a big figure in the squad. I think he's good to have starting if you can despite I know despite his age um so I think really as my backs I think that's really going forward that's what I would like to see so you wouldn't have Schroeder in there at all probably not starting I don't think I've seen enough of him to really sort of, I mean let's you know if at the start of the season I'd have Mickey Young hands down never believed you but the way he's playing I think you keep him there um I think Schroeder's a good option to have and I think he actually did quite well when he came on the other day, and he did a couple of really good box kicks, actually. But I think at the moment, I would have Young. I mean, that could change over the course of the season, but at the moment, I would stick with Young. Yeah, I think um, Young's a safe pair of hands, but it depends what sort of game you want to play. If you if you want to play a sort of game where we want quick ball, and suppose um, Burrell and Orlando keep smashing up, making half breaks and getting offloads away, and we're playing a quick game, Sam Stewart, maybe? Stewart definitely sorry, adds a bit more pace, both with ball in hand and at the breakdown. Um, we've already seen a couple of times, especially with his try against Castro, that he does have that pace to which probably Young doesn't quite have, especially at this level. Um, so maybe it's just horses for courses, I guess, in that regard. We've already mentioned it a couple of times, various other results. If we do a quick rundown of the scores over the weekend. Obviously, Bristol beat us 29-17, getting the bonus point. Worcester and Harlequins, another one of these coronavirus call-offs. Um, these all get recorded as nil all, so I think points difference-wise it's going to be a bit of a funny one when it comes to the end of the season when certain teams have high points, but a lot lower points difference than you'd expect from their position in the table. On Saturday, Wasps thrashed Exeter 34-5. Um, looking at Exeter's team, they had largely their starting 15. There were a few changes, but like Baxter said after the game, every team has their, their off weeks, and certainly seemed Exeter had one of these this week. Yeah, um, I mean, I noticed the changes in the team i'm not sure if they were enforced or they, they were just rotating um but even of course our ex-player hodge even had a run out so i don't think it was 
by any means our strongest team, but the, the nature of the defeat and the performance was was really shocking. And I suppose it does show that, you know, if you turn up and even yesterters have an off day, you, you've got a chance, I guess. Gloucester lost 19-22 to Sale, and we know Sale's quality, which um, I know that Gloucester were quite aggrieved at a few things during that match. Um, just like we said earlier on, we, we can't take it for granted next week. They're a good side and um, we need to watch out. And then finally, another one called off today, today being Sunday, London Irish Northampton, another one of these coronavirus call-offs. And then Leicester came out 36-31 victors against Bath. I think... Um, haven't seen the highlights yet, but I've uh, read a quick match report, and both teams got try bonus points there. So Bath took away two points from the uh, encounter, and Leicester came away with five. So no surprises. Exeter are top of the table at the start of the new year with 20 points. Um, they're tied with Bristol, which I guess not too many surprises. Maybe we weren't expecting Bristol to be level on points with Exeter, but um, we're in third position with 16. Sale have 15. Um, Wasps have 14. Harlequins with 12, Leicester, Northampton and Bath all have 11, London Irish have 9, Worcester have 8 and Gloucester have 6. So the majority of the table is still very much within the same ballpark. Yeah, I mean, that was my point really about how with the Gloucester game, we kind of have to evaluate what we sort of want from this season, I think, in many ways, um, because you are only two defeats away from really slipping down the table. And with the COVID point allocation, obviously, for games written off, you, you, you know, you have Worcester and Irish picking up four points this weekend. Yes, if you had to say who's going to make it to the Heineken Cup at the minute, I think you're pretty pretty certain about extra Bristol and Sale. Um, other than that, I think Wasps, you could probably firmly put in there but then I'd say that if you look at us Harlequins Leicester Northampton Bath and even potentially um, Gloucester I think mm. still very much in with a shout of climbing up into the top half of the table I think if we look at 2021 ahead of us I think as Falcons fans we can be very pleased with where we are at the minute and hopefully it can continue yeah I mean I don't think any of us I know obviously the year started on a frustrating disappointing note but if you told us a year ago where we would be and what we'd be feeling right now, I think we'd have been very, very surprised. Indeed, indeed. Um, Without anything further to say, that's all from me. Cheerio, everybody. Bye, everyone.